providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Welcome to FNF Unplugged. We are starting 2022 and season three of our podcast. Today, we welcome back Jason Nadeau. Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer of the FNF Family of Companies, also known as Fabio. Jason will discuss various digital fund payments and how they fit into real estate transactions, which can be used now and which just not quite ready for our type of business. This includes new applications and how money should and should not be moved or handled during a buyer's largest financial transaction the purchase of their home. We will use North Carolina as an example when we discuss what are considered, and I'm using air quotes, good funds. So with that, let's go to Jason. Thank you, everyone. I'm gonna take a little bit of time today to talk about all of the new fun types of payments that are out there. So as everybody knows, we're very familiar with things like checks and wires and all that. I'm gonna talk about all the new fun, interesting stuff out there like ACH and Google Pay and Venmo and FedNow and Amazon Pay and Apple Pay and all the good stuff that's coming out there. But before we go into all of the fun stuff that frankly, you're not gonna be able to use, but they're fun to talk about, let's talk a little bit about what we mean by money. And what we mean by money is there's really probably three important things that happen. You all know this, you all have been in business a long time, but I'm just going to level set for discussion purposes. So the first is earnest money deposits. Everybody knows what earnest money deposits are, good faith deposits, depending upon who you're talking to, they're referring to the same thing, but it's that initial deposit from that buyer of the home into your trust account, securing that contract. Then you're talking about down payments or, or money that is brought in as cash to close, and then you've got refunds and proceeds from closing. The reason I'm calling these all out is a couple things are important to understand before I jump into the fun. The first is I'm only going to be talking today about the first two. The last one, which is refunds and proceeds from closing, that's all about how you take money from your trust account and disperse it out to the individuals and the, the corporations and such that need it. We're not gonna be talking about that today. What we're talking about is money coming in and making sure that that money coming in is secure and good and you are able to use it and fulfill all of the guidelines. The reason I call these out is sometimes people forget about that earnest money deposit. Sometimes people think only about that cash coming into closing, what they're bringing to the closing table, and they forget about the earnest money deposit as being an important set of funds that are coming into your trust account that you have responsibility for. So let's jump ahead here and talk a little bit about all of these payment options. So there are so many more that are out there. What's important to understand about these is there has been an explosion in the last couple of years of other ways to pay. Some of these are really, really fun, right? Apple Pay is really exciting in that what Apple Pay is allows you to pay with your phone. So you leave your wallet at home or you've gone for a run or you're at the beach or somewhere where you're not carrying credit cards or whatnot, you can pay through your phone. Most people know about Venmo and PayPal and such that have been out there for a while. These are really cool, exciting technologies. And what's fun about these technologies is they are technologies that allow an end consumer, in our case, we're gonna think about it being a buyer, but an end consumer to take money from their account and transfer it to somebody without having to do two things, both of which are painful, write a check or go to the bank, right? So they're wonderful technologies. And so 
the question I always get is, well, they're all the same, right? They all move money from my account over to somebody else's account. I should just allow my consumers to do as much of them as possible. I should allow real estate agents to go tell their agents to do them as possible because at the end of the day, it's just putting money in my account, right? Well, unfortunately, that's not true. So unfortunately, wrong. The reality is, is that it's the guts behind these accounts and the guts behind these technologies that are very important for you to understand. And I'm gonna spend time around them. But what's important to understand behind these different types of technologies is they run what we call on different payment rails. Think about them as different train tracks. And based upon those train tracks, those funds, that money acts in very different ways. I'm just gonna call out a couple examples real quick to give you an idea of what I mean. Those of you that have been using, say, Venmo for a very long time, Venmo's been around a really long time. It's very, very common and it's used an awful lot in what they call P2P transfers. You know, me paying Linda for doing my hair for this presentation. That type of thing is very common with Venmo. If you've ever used Venmo, you know that what it does is either ties to your credit card or ties to your bank account. And it transfers generally low amounts of funds between two individual parties. However, the rails that Venmo runs on, if you've connected to your credit card, it's really a credit card transaction. It looks like a cool online app transaction, but at the end of the day, it's a credit card transaction. So when I end up paying Linda $75 for doing my hair for this presentation, and then my wife points out that I'm an idiot and I don't have hair, and I don't want Linda to have that money anymore, I can go into my credit card and dispute that charge. I can say she didn't actually provide me the service and the credit card will take the money from Linda and give it back to me and Linda will have to sue me to get those funds back. We all know that, that's how credit cards work. We've all had charges on our credit cards that were not legitimate. We disputed them, we didn't pay them, the money never came out of our account. Several of these, Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, Venmo, they all run on credit cards and they run on things that can be reversed. That's not particularly good in our space, right? So when you think about what does that mean, the thing to think about that's really important in our world is what I think about as good funds and I think about safe funds. And I'm going to talk to you all a little bit about what's important in North Carolina because that's relevant to you all. But I'm also going to give you a little bit of the bigger picture because this concern we're having, this industry change we're having around funds affects the whole country. And as almost everything that is around title and, and escrow and, and um, legal related matters, they're also very state specific. So Nancy spent a good amount of time talking about the good funds law, about 45A-4, and what constitute good funds. And if you remember that enumeration, I'm not gonna read it off to you, but if you remember that enumeration, one thing about North Carolina that not all states have is it actually enumerates in the law what are good funds. Right, It says a cashier's check, a wire, uh, a certified check, and it's got a number of other requirements, but it actually articulates right in there what are good funds. So what's important about that, thinking back to what I just talked about with the example of some of these services out there, a Venmo or a PayPal that I just talked about is really gonna do a credit card transaction behind the scene. Well, is a credit card transaction listed under North Carolina law as something that's considered good funds. It is not. So if somebody says, oh, I just wanna PayPal you my earnest money deposit, that money will come into your account, but it will come into your account through a model that doesn't 
line up with North Carolina laws and requirements for good funds. Why? Because you can recall those funds. The other thing to think about is what are safe funds? Now, it's not quite the same in North Carolina because North Carolina has very prescriptive good funds laws. But the other thing that I like to think about when I'm talking to our attorneys and our agents that work with us is I talk to them about, you know, there's good funds, there's following what's required in the law, but then there's also what are safe funds? What are the ways of doing business that are best practices, that ALTA has said are best practices, that are the ways to make sure that once you get the money into your account, it cannot be removed. Even though we have all of these really cool technologies, we really have to remember the way we do business and we have to remember the foundations behind it. And in the past, one of the things we used to think about is if I had a check in my account, once those funds cleared and that money was in my account, that was in my mind, I'm not saying for everybody, but in my mind, I would say, well, gosh, those are safe funds. That, that money is good. That money is there because that check is clear. The check didn't bounce. Well, what's interesting is some of the other payment rail technologies that we're not used to using in our business have this concept of recallable funds, right? A check doesn't do that, right? When you write a check, I write a check to Linda, Linda cashes that check. I can't just go to my bank and say, I want my money back, please. They can stop paying the check, but if the check's already cleared, too late. A lot of these new payment rail systems have the ability to pull money back. Some of them, as far as 90 days later, the consumer can just pull those funds back. And so it gets very, very interesting. I'm gonna take a second and talk a little bit about what are the consumer expectations? When a, a buyer or a seller is coming to you and is interacting with a transaction that you are the steward of, what really are their expectations? What are they expecting you to do as a result? Well, I think they're pretty straightforward, but I like to write them out and talk about them because it's going to make a difference as we go further in this conversation. First is funds that are deposited will be able to fund their transaction. Seems pretty straightforward, but if, if I give you $5,000 earnest money deposit, I expect that that money will be available and you will use it for the things that need to be done to, to buy my home, to do my transaction. Pretty straightforward. Whatever liens or disbursements need to be made, you're going to make those transactions. You're going to do all the things you need to do per that ledger and that you're going to send those funds to the right people and it's going to be used correctly. I realize this is super painfully obvious, but I think it's important to sort of think this through as you think about well, what kind of funds am I going to use? It's really easy. And I talk to a lot of people around the country and they think I have the money in my account. All of these things, no problem. I do these things. This is my business. But I do these things because the money's in my account and now I'm doing my job. They don't necessarily understand that with some of this new technology, the money isn't actually in the account when it's in the account. So in fact, the old test that we had, which is the money's in my account, is no longer the test to make sure you can still do these things. Earnest money deposits have increased dramatically over the past 18 months. There are more and more sellers and re their realtors that are requiring larger earnest money deposits and they want them quickly because there's 20 different contracts. So I wanna emphasize that when we're talking earnest money, it may not be one or $5,000. It could be 10, 20, even $100,000 for a commercial contract. 
No, that is a really good point, Linda, and I appreciate that. And the other thing, too, in addition to earnest money or good faith deposits going up in the amount, increasing the risk and increasing the things that are associated with it, but also the level of digital deposit demand has gone up a ton, right? So one of the things we definitely saw with COVID is there was a rush from a lot of people to put technology out into the real estate space to figure out how to get that check from that buyer to that real estate agent or from that buyer to that that closing attorney and into that trust fund, right? And you know, with COVID, obviously we wanted to stay away from everybody, but the other thing that we started to realize is, gosh, we figured out how to do virtually everything during the pandemic remotely. I can't believe I still have to write out a check and tear it off and drive across town and hand it to somebody. So customers' expectations of that was sort of like, that's not a great experience. Why can't I do this remotely? I do everything else. I pay everything else remotely. Why buying a house do I have to rip off a paper check and get in my car and drive somewhere? And that really bubbled to the surface over the last two years. And so a number of new technologies, a number of new solutions, a lot of technology providers have jumped into the space to solve this problem. And, and, and it's fantastic. And I love the innovation. However, one of the things that um, you need to be cautious of, and it's honestly one of the reasons why we're having this conversation today is, you know, we are the experts in our space. You are the experts in this space. A lot of these technology companies, Google and Venmo and Apple, they are not real estate experts. They don't understand the requirements to handle trust funds in North Carolina. So they're gonna say, yeah, you can totally use Apple Pay to move $10,000 from here to there. They're never gonna stop and research the laws of our industry and tell us whether it's a good idea or not, right? So all these technology providers, they want as many people using it as possible and they're putting the onus back on us to make sure we should be using them. And so it's a great point and I really appreciate you, you stopping there. So I know I've talked a little bit about all of this, the question that really comes up a lot for me is, okay, Jason, that's great, but what's the real risk? Like what's really maybe gonna happen? And so I'm gonna give you a couple examples of things that very well could happen. Are they things that are happening today? No, not, not a lot, to be honest. But I want you to think about it and I'm gonna walk you through a scenario. So again, I'm gonna pick on Linda because Linda obviously is notorious at providing poor service. Linda is selling me the home and I am buying this home from Linda and I have put down my money and I put down a $10,000 earnest money deposit like Linda said, they're growing. And we go through the whole process, everything works well. And I did that $10,000 deposit via one of these other services. I did it via ACH. I did it via PayPal or something along those lines. One of the ones that really isn't a, isn't a good idea to use. And then I went about and I did my closing and I'm in the house three, four, five days. And I look down at the floors and I think, well, these floors are beautiful. They're real wood, right? And then I get down and I start looking at them and I realize these are not real wood floors. I could have swore she told me these were really wood floors. I'm going to have to replace these. I wanted real wood floors. And then my neighbor says, well, you know what you can do? You can just take that $10,000 back. You can just pull that right out into the bank account. No problem. What? Yeah, it's ACH. You can totally do that. In case you guys aren't familiar, one of the really interesting things about ACH is ACH has a the equivalent of a no fault, no questions asked, get out of jail free card. So if you transferred money into someone's account in ACH, 
I go to my bank and I say, hey, Acme Bank, I think Linda defrauded me. They were not wood floors. I want my $10,000 in earnest money deposit back. The bank has no obligation to validate my claim. And in fact, they won't. The bank is actually obligated by regulation and statute to hit the undo button in their system. And that will reach out into your trust account and will take $10,000 out of your trust account. Even if that money has long since gone off, it will take somebody else's $10,000 out of your bank account and will give it back to me. Linda's fine, but you're now missing $10,000. And I can do that up to 90 days later. So I have three months to change my mind. Neither bank is allowed to stop it. Neither bank is allowed to hold their hand up and say, Jason just looks like a whiner. He really shouldn't get this money back. It's not legit. It is a no questions asked undo button with ACH. That money just comes right back to me. And you as the attorney who are handling the trust account, the only way you can make it whole is to do all the fun stuff and then sue me in small claims court for the money back. It's a way a bunch of these payment processing systems work. Why do they work that way, right? Right now you're thinking, what? Why would anybody design a system that way? ACH, PayPal, Venmo, credit card, they were all designed to be used person to person, consumer to business. It's a consumer protection and it's part of a web of consumer protection guidelines and laws and rules that exist out there that allow the consumer to not get defrauded easily. They don't want consumers buying something online saying, I want to order this beautiful glass statue to put on my mantle. And then three days later, I get a toaster oven and I call back the glass statue company and they say, sorry, we're not helping you. The government has designed the system so I can say, well, until I get my glass statue, give me my money back and I can take my money back. No questions asked. And so the thing we've not seen in the industry yet is we've not seen buyer's remorse. But the interesting thing, I mean, we've seen buyer's remorse. Trust me, we've seen buyer's remorse. What I mean is we've not seen buyer's remorse and then give me my money back. A lot of ways because you couldn't. Once that check cleared, you couldn't. But we live in a world now where people are used to being able to say, I didn't like my service, right? Carvana will deliver you the car and let you drive it for a week. If you don't like it, you give it back and they give you your money back. Everybody has an undo button on their service except transferring a home and buying a home in your mortgage. If you use any of these payment systems that I talked about that are, you know, what I would consider not good and not safe funds, all of these have the undo button. All of these allow that customer to pull it back. And you're not going to see customers coming to you and saying, I want to PayPal you my entire, you know, $40,000, $50,000 down payment. But they might say, you know what, I want to PayPal you my $5,000 earnest money deposit. And then they can pull it right back later. However, if it is a consumer sending money to a business, ACH becomes just like PayPal. Per their rules and all the guidelines and statutes, if it's consumer to a business, they can recall it. Well, putting money in your trust account is a recall. So it's really important that as you think about what payment systems you're going to allow people to use, that you watch out what's behind it. The really hard thing for a lot of people to understand is this stuff all gets very complicated. And, and Linda and I talk about this all the time. It's definitely a very complex process. One of the things that's unfortunate about the way these systems work is if somebody comes to you, I'm going to give you another hypothetical example. I like to tell stories and give examples so you can make it relatable. An example would be 
if a real estate agent comes to you, a real estate broker comes to you and they say, I've got this great new software I've implemented. All my buyers are going to be able to automatically, electronically through the app, take their earnest money in and send it right into your trust account. It's going to be amazing. Could you just give me your bank account number, please? You're thinking, great, I'm just going to get the money in my account. This is fantastic. And they're my customer. I want to help them out. So you give them your bank account. You don't ever really know how that money came into your account. You just know all of a sudden you're logging, logged into your banking system. And sure enough, there's the $5,000 from Jason. I'm ready to rock and roll. That $5,000 very likely came into your account through one of these methods that you didn't even necessarily know. And so those funds can be yanked back out on you later on in the transaction without you even necessarily knowing. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit how you can prevent that from happening, but it's not always as clear as somebody saying, I want to Google pay you. Sometimes it's somebody just saying, give me your bank account because I'm going to have them put the money in your account. And that's a, a red flag that you should watch for. So what is safe? All right. Well, now I'm going to sound like an old stodgy person out there because there really isn't a whole lot that is safe. The only things really that are safe right now are those top two, Check21 and Fedwire. These are the old standbys. These are the things that we know and love and that we've had around forever. Fedwire, that's just the wire system. Wires are fine. Everybody knows wires are fine. We've been using wires forever. Check21. Check21 is a um, it's a patented technology from a company. We all use it every day, or probably most of us use it all the time, which is if you've ever used your bank's app to take a picture of the front and back of a check and deposit it, that's Check21. Technology was developed 20 years ago. It takes pictures of the front and back of check. It reads the maker, and it deposits money in a bank account. There are apps out there. Our group can help point you to some of them, but there are multiple apps out there that specialize in our industry that will allow you to offer remote deposit of earnest money by using your phone and taking a picture of the check and sending it along using Check21 technology. There's even a law that was passed. It's actually the Check21 regulatory statute. It specifically says that if you deposit a picture of a check, via Check21, it has 100% all the characteristics of a paper check being deposited. So it meets good funds guidelines, it meets safe funds guidelines, it's perfect. And it allows you to remotely deposit, that consumer does not have to get in their car and drive anywhere. They do still have to break out the checkbook, they still have to write the check. So all of our buyers that do not look like me and still have hair and have, don't have gray are gonna be really frustrated. They have to go find the checkbook that they never use. But yes, unfortunately, that's kind of still where we are. Zelle. Some of you may have heard of Zelle. Zelle is relatively new. Zelle is an interesting up-and-coming technology. Zelle is probably not ready for prime time yet, but it's coming. So I wanted to make sure you know you're aware of it. Zelle is out there. Zelle is a collaborative effort. Around 30 to 40 banks got together and said, we need a better system than all that other stuff I showed you to allow money to move back and forth between consumers and between banks and such. And so they built a joint company and they built a joint technology and it's called Zelle. It uses all of its own system. It is not recallable. It has all the characteristics of a wire without the expense, without the timing issues and such. Why aren't we using Zelle? Why can't we use Zelle now? Well, a couple reasons. The first is in states like North Carolina, you've got an enumerated list of things that are considered good funds and Zelle's not on that list. 
So technically, if you use Zelle, even though it meets the guidelines I've shared with you about being safe and good payments, can't be recalled, really easy to use, it wouldn't be good funds in North Carolina. Not until the state amends the guidelines on it. The other issue we have with Zelle is Zelle's been rolling out the last couple of years. The banks have been rolling it out in sort of a trial period, which means they've got a very low transfer limit on it. And the transfer limit is dictated by each individual bank. So my bank has a limit of no more than $2,000 can be transferred by via Zelle. So it's a little hard for our types of transactions because the amount's really low. I suspect that Zelle will be something several years from now, and I don't mean several like 10, I mean over the next two, three, four years, we're going to start using a lot more and it's going to start replacing wires as it grows and the limits get raised on it. The other two things that are pretty interesting is there's RTP. RTP is a real-time payment. It is a, a, a program that is a, a joint initiative between a bunch of the banks and the Fed. It's like Zelle. It's, the intention is to have a replacement for ACH that allows recallable and non-recallable payments. This is coming. Um, it went live just a few months ago in one or two use cases, so it is not ready for prime time. And then FedNow is the entirely brand new Fed wiring system that is in the works and that we should be starting to see prime time in the next couple of years. So right now at the end of the day, I know it's kind of sad and I know it's kind of boring, but the safe and good things to use, wires, checks, check 21 picture of checks. If you want to get innovative in your operation and allow remote earnest money deposits, grab a vendor that says they're check 21 certified and you should be great. Let me kind of summarize kind of a bit the things to watch out for and best practices to, to think about for us. So the first is think about recallable funds and buyer's remorse, right? We've not seen a lot of this, but the last thing we want to do is to have this, you know, hit social media that, gosh, if you moved into your house, you have up to 90 days to get, you know, a 30 year money back if you don't like it, everybody. I didn't know if you knew you could do that. And next thing you know, money's flying out escrow accounts all around the country. Not a good thing, right? If you're going to use a vendor, if you're going to use a technology, if you're going to offer a technology, make sure it uses the things that I talked about. Be cautious of vendors that talk about non-recallable systems that use ACH. There are some solutions out there that use ACH for earnest money, and they have a model that they represent as non-recallable, meaning the money cannot be recalled out of your account. The caution that I would have with you on that is ACH is designed the way it was designed based upon guidelines at the federal and state level around consumer protection. And using ACH and bending ACH into a manner that knowingly and intentionally subverts consumer protection laws is probably something that's not in all of our best interest. So if, if you're talking to a vendor and they say they have non-recallable ACH, maybe ask them if you can use their Check 21 option instead, just so you don't get into any hairy stuff around you're trying to subvert consumer protection and trying to make sure consumers no longer have their recallability that they are statutory guaranteed and such. It has to be in that list of, of things if you're going to use it. And then the last one I talked about is something I mentioned, which is be wary of real estate agents asking for your bank account information. Usually this is because they have signed up for some solution that's going to ACH or PayPal or Venmo money into your account. And again, unless you're really watching your bank statement closely and you look exactly the code next to how that money got into your account, it might have come in in a recallable fashion and you may not know. So 
How to protect yourself against that? It's really easy. On your trust account, tell the bank to disable inbound ACH into your account. Say nobody can send money into my account in a recallable manner. It's very easy. All banks support it as an option. You can figure it on your account and you will know that all the funds coming into your account can't be recalled because you can't accept it in in a recallable fashion. That's sort of the end of what I wanted to share with you, except I want to provide a little bit of appendix. I want to provide a pointer to more information for you to think about. So uh, the American Land Title Association that we all know and love, if you go to their site and we can provide links to it as follow up, they have developed um, two documents that have been part of the work groups. And it's a work group that I have the pleasure and the, and the privilege to serve on with ALTA that is focused on a number of best practices around things happening digitally in our space. And one of the things that the group has done is we've put out some best practices for agents, for people that are responsible for escrow and trust accounts. And it goes through a lot of what um, I just talked about. It doesn't talk about any one solution specifically in mind. It doesn't say good or bad. I was, I'm was i a little more forthcoming in my opinions than ALTA is in general, but it does have some really good best practices to take a look at what type of security that you need, the types of transfers that you should watch out for and that you should be cautious on and such. So it's a good reference. They've got a lot of good materials out there that we've put out that I think would be really good for you to review as a follow-up or ask whoever handles your banking and your trust accounting to follow up on and read to get um, more up to speed on it. The other thing that I think is important that um, work that was done by the ALTA, when RTP or FedNow or Zelle do get out there and are available, we also provided guidelines to the states and guidelines to anybody who's lobbying with the states about principles for amendments to good funds laws. We propose that what they do is that the good funds laws be amended that instead of specifically articulating, we like a check, we like a wire, we like tools, because the world's gonna change and it's changing fast in this digital environment. What we did was we laid out sort of key principles and characteristics that we think should, should make up good funds, right? And, and you can see a little bit of it in here, but you know it should be a bank-to-bank -bank transfer. It should be linked to consumers' depository funds, not linked to a credit account, not linked to a line of credit, not tied to Bitcoin or something else. It needs to be non-recallable. It has to come directly into the account. So what we tried to do is provide guidance, and these are just snippets of it. There's a lot more documentation behind it. But we tried to provide guidance to the states that as they look at amending their good funds laws to keep in mind the new digital technology that's coming, instead of writing, we like Zelle, we don't like Apple Pay into the law, instead, let's look at characteristics that are required. And if an individual payment type meets that characteristic, we'll allow it as a good funds. So good information out there on the LTA website, point it to you. But really that sort of concludes my um, sharing with you all things uh, digital money and, and digital transfer these days. So Jason, a, a couple questions that have come up over literally the past few weeks. Sure. What is really the difference between RTP and just faster payments? What is truly the difference? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things that is is um, a little bit confusing, and it does come up, and I think it's a great point, Linda, for you to bring up. There is a thing, and you can see its trademark, called RTP. It's, a, it's an actual entity. It's an organization that is developing a new payment system out there 
Very few people know about it. It's still very early in the infancy stage. The challenge we have is there's also RTP, meaning real-time payments without the little r next to it, which is sort of how the industry and banks refer to Zelle and Venmo and all these things. They call that a real-time payment system. So one of the things that does get confusing is sometimes people will say, well, can I use RTP? And does that mean you want to use this new thing that's coming out soon? Or does that mean you want to use a type of RTP? So unfortunately, it's a product name and the idea of sending money immediately to people. So that does get, get confusing. And it's a good clarifying question. Yeah, it is very confusing, especially in the Realtor community, because I'm getting questions all the time from Realtors with regards to which app should we use? You know, how can we make things real time in paying earnest money deposits? So there's a lot yeah. of confusion with regards to the to the verbiage being used. You talked in detail about the safety of the dollars. Okay. Right. But there's also safety of the data. And, and you kind of alluded to it a few times where the realtor is asking the attorney for an account number. And you also talked a little bit about, you know, the Venmo payment to me of $75. My Venmo account, because I have it tied into, you know, my contacts list, I can see Venmo payments going from other people. Right. So right. not only do we have to be safe and secure with our dollars, we really need to be cognizant about the safety of our data. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? I do. And I think that's a really good point. You know, one of the things that is, um, it's a little bit interesting, and we're going to run into this in a lot of places in our life when digital and financial and security and this stuff all collides, and we're seeing it in the news and everything all the time. You know, when you look at something like, you, you mentioned Venmo, and I think that's a great, great example, which is, you know, Venmo was intended for me to pay you for hair services and me pay somebody else for lawn care services and such. And you're right in the app, I can click on Linda and I can go, well, she is overpaying for that hairdo. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, and you can see what are being paid to everybody and such. Well, that's fine because it was designed to say you and I are interacting. There's no business involved. There's no regulated entity involved. It's just you and I on social media. So we're just socially sending money back and forth. When you start sticking a business like ours and transactions like ours that all of a sudden are regulated, all of a sudden are governed by the New York DFS and the California regulators and the Texas regulators and all this about confidential data and protecting our consumers and all that, gosh, now all of a sudden I can see exactly how much you put down on your home. And I know when you're putting it down on your home. So I know when you're closing it. So I know when to jump in and try and intercept your wire and such. The other thing that is um, something to think about is a number of the apps out there that do money transfer. The way you do a money transfer in them, uh, Venmo is a great example of them or, or anyone that uses ACHs, the way they do it is in order to get access to your bank account, you have to input your bank account credentials. So for instance, some of these solutions that are out there, it says, oh, I want to deposit my money with Acme Title Company. Click here. And it says, who do you bank with? And you say, I, well, I bank with Wells Fargo. And I click on Wells Fargo and it says, please enter your username and password for your Wells Fargo bank account, which you do. And I'm sure they do a very good job of attempting to keep it safe and all of that. And then they use those credentials to reach into your bank and take that money out and go. 
Well, the thing to understand is, and I don't want to sound paranoid, but you're giving your bank account credentials to whoever the developer is that wrote that app. Even if it's just for a minute or two, you're giving away the username and password that accesses all the money in your bank account to a third party application. And it's really hard. What level of vetting have you done? Is the one developer they have a part-time guy in Kazakhstan or something, right? I don't know. I don't pick on Kazakhstanis. That doesn't necessarily mean they're untrustworthy individuals, but I just use it as an example. Like it gets very dangerous very quickly when we start reaching into people's bank accounts and grabbing people's credentials and such. And you know, there's a whole lot of security risk and God forbid somebody recall their funds, that would be bad. What would be worse is if one of your consumers uses an app where they typed in their credentials and somebody gets those credentials because of that app, because you or the agent recommended they do that and they lose their life savings out of their bank account as a result of that. These are all things that are very new. This is very cutting edge and the hacking and fraud community have just started to figure out we exist and they are learning new ways to come after us. And, and this is an area that they're targeting. Thank you so much, Jason, for another engaging and enlightening discussion. Thank you. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.